You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's never-ending kindness in Ramah B'Shemesh Israel 5769-2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayikra. Leviticus, we begin this book of Vayikra. And so all of this Parsha is speaking about the Korbanos, the sacrifices. So last year we spoke about the concept of the sacrifices, how it's more, of course, than meets the eye. It's a very deep and beautiful idea. And I'd like to speak on a deeper level this year for us to try to understand what is the concept of the sacrifices of the Karbanos. As we mentioned before, Karbanos, the word Karbanos, Korban, means the root of the word is Likarev, to come close. And the purpose of the Karbanos is to bring ourselves closer to God. And on a deeper level, there's something more that's happening that also has to do with the word Karev, to come close, which we'll soon see, Mirza Hashem, with God's help. Now, something I'd like to point out is that despite the fact that right now, in our times, we do not have karbanos, we don't have the sacrifices, nevertheless, there's a verse in Psalms that teaches us that, that we have something that can replace, in a certain sense, the karbanos. We're going to see that the two concepts are very closely related. So what's the verse? The verse in Psalm says, In place of bulls, we'll replace it with our lips. And what this means is that today we don't have the karbanos. We don't have the ability to serve Hashem in a temple, in a Beis HaMikdash, in a Mishkan, in a sanctuary. However, we do have an opportunity to serve God anywhere we are. That's true. But specifically in our base Knesses, in a synagogue, in a shul, in a place of gathering to praise God, to ask God for all of our needs by praying to Him. So the concept of prayer is very intimately connected to the concept of the karbanos, of the sacrifices, and that of course needs explanation, because on the surface a sacrifice seems like you're bringing an animal on the altar, what does that have to do with praying? doesn't seem to be the same idea, but as we'll soon see, with God's help, they are connected, they are very much related. In fact, we find in the in the prayer service, in the tefillah, so one of the brachos, one of the blessings that we say three times a day, every single day, whether we're talking about Shabbos, whether we're talking about a weekday, so the prayer is called, the, the a short blessing, it's called Avoda, talking about service. We say, say Hashem may you Hashem our God desire in your nation of Israel and their prayers. Return the service to the place of your house, to the temple, Yisrael, the fire offerings of the Jewish people. Usfilasam and their prayers, Mehera quickly accept them with desire. Right away we see again, in the prayer service itself, we mention the fact that there's this deep connection. We ask God to accept our prayers, just like He accepted the korbanos, the sacrifices, and we ask God to return the sacrifices. It's a very interesting thing. So there's this deep connection. What's the understanding of it? What's the pshat? Now we see that there are different parallels that seem to correspond between the prayer service and, and the base Hamikdash, the temple itself, the, the avoda, the service, the karbonus, the sacrifices that were brought. One of the interesting things that we see is that we find that in the temple, so once there was a base Hamikdash, once the temple was built by King Solomon, so before that, so one could bring an offering, a sacrifice in many different places. One could bring it, they had these bamos, these special altars that were built in different places. Only a Kohen had had the ability, the right, to bring a korban, a sacrifice, on an altar. But there were many different altars. They were called Bamis Rishus. They were called these altars that anyone who wanted to could bring. And at that time, so before 
the Beis Hamikdash before the Temple was built. So they also had a central place, which was the Mishkan, the sanctuary, which for many years was in a place called Shiloh, and that was the central place. But you didn't have to only bring it in that place. But once the Temple was built, so the only place that one could bring a korban, a sacrifice, was only in the Temple. All other places, it was no longer permitted. It's very interesting if you read through the Book of Kings through Malachim, so you'll find that. It was after the time of King Solomon, of Shlomo HaMelech, and it was after the temple had already been built. Nevertheless, the Jewish people, they sinned, and that they didn't take away those bamos, those special private altars. They were supposed to remove them. They were supposed to no longer be used. But we find that even the most righteous kings, unfortunately, they were able to do a tremendous amount of good. They were able to take people away from idolatrous practices. But many times, they were not able to stop to abolish those private altars. In any event, we find that there's a special thing. Once there's a base Hamidosh, once there's a temple, the only place that one is supposed to bring their karbonos, their offerings, their sacrifices, is only in the temple itself, and not on private altars. Now, the interesting parallel, it's not precisely the same, but it's very similar, that we find is that in regards to davening, in regards to prayers, there's a great advantage to praying with a group, in a base knesses, in a synagogue, with a quorum of ten men. There's a tremendous advantage, and our sages, they go on and on about how great it is, how important it is. In fact, we find, to the, to the other side, to the negative aspect, that someone who does not pray in a synagogue, if he has a synagogue in his community, so it says about him that he's called a bad neighbor. It's very interesting. He's referred to as a bad neighbor. I believe I've mentioned mentioned this also in a different podcast. In any event, we see that there's a mile, there's an advantage of praying specifically in a base Knesses, in that public place of gathering. What's the understanding? Why is it that it's advantageous? Why is it a greater thing to specifically pray in such a place? And it seems to be very similar to the base Hamikdash that in the temple, there was the place that you were supposed to bring your karbonas, your sacrifices, as opposed to bringing them on any kind of private altar, a private place. What's the significance of this connection? Another interesting thing that we find that I see as a parallel between the karbonos, the avoda, the service of God, the sacrifices, and the prayers, is that we find in regards to the karbonos, the sacrifices, that the Jewish people in the wilderness, before they were told that they could bring karbonos, that they should bring these sacrifices, so they were not permitted to eat meat. It was not permitted. Only once the Torah permitted them, only once God permitted them to bring these karbonos, bring sacrifices in the temple, only then were they permitted to eat meat, and only meat that came from a sacrifice. So on the surface, it seems like it's a almost a selfish thing. They're bringing they're bringing these karbonos, these sacrifices to the mishkan, to the sanctuary. Why? So that they can eat some meat. What's the understanding of that? And the parallel to that is in our prayer service. We seem to do something which is similarly selfish. What is our prayer service? There are 18 blessings originally, 19 blessings that we say now. And so the first three blessings are praising God. The last three blessings are thanking God. But the middle blessings, the middle 12, 13 blessings... They're all just asking God for something. We ask God for, for wisdom, for brains. Help us repent, forgive us, cure us, give us livelihood. The blessings would seem to be rather selfish. What's the understanding why when we're coming to daven, to, to pray to God, all we do is like, what is God? Is He like this daddy warbucks that we're coming to Him asking Him for money, for parnasa, for livelihood? It sounds pretty selfish. What's the understanding? And why do we see this similar idea by both of these two concepts? So to begin to understand what's happening here, I'd like to share with you something that Rav Baruch Epstein explains in, in the Sefer, his explanation on the Sefer Nefesh HaChaim, which we're learning now in the daily Kabbalah lesson. So I've touched on these points over there. I'm going to be marched. I'm going to try to expand a little bit 
on these ideas, a little bit more than we've talked about in the daily Kabbalah lesson. And he points out that there are four different levels of existence. The lowest level of existence is called domim. Domim is an inanimate object, a rock. The, the, the level above that is the level of tzomech, something that grows. The level above that is called chai, a living creature, a living animal. And the level above that is medaber, is the human being that speaks. And when a person brings a korban, he brings a sacrifice, so he's actually taking all the different levels of reality and connecting them to God. What does that mean? Take an animal, a para, a cow. What does the animal sustain itself on? So it eats grass. Now take that grass, and how did that grass grow? It grew from the nutrients within the ground. So now you have all the different levels. You have the ground, which is domain, which is inanimate. You have the grass, which is, which is someach, which grows. You have the level, which is chai, which is the animal itself. And then the human being, who is the pinnacle of existence, who is the pinnacle of creation. So that human being takes an animal which represents all the different levels below man. And he takes that animal, he brings it as a korban, as a sacrifice to God, because God asked him, asked the human being to serve him this way. And when the human being acts in a way that God commands, so in essence he's bringing God's light down into this world. And what's happening now is that it's being brought down into the world, God's light, via this animal, and via the grass that the animal ate, and via the minerals that helped the grass grow. What greater accomplishment could be done, raising all the different levels of reality to do God's will? Now it's very interesting to note and contrast the concept of idolatry, the idolatrous sacrifice that was done in comparison to the sacrifice that God requested of us. In an idolatrous practice, so what they used to do was they would actually go in front of the idol and they would relieve themselves in front of the idol. On the surface, it seems to be, out, they are out of the minds. What are they doing? This is how they worship an idol. They relieve themselves in front of the idol. And the explanation, the reason that they would do this is because what the idol represented to them, the idol represents in general, is the total opposite of what a sacrifice is, of what Judaism teaches. The idol it represents the fact that I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I am the center of the world. They had a hundred different idols. Each one, this one was an idol that would give them gold. This was an idol that would give them food. This was an idol that would bring the rain. All kinds of different idols. And this particular idol, so they would show that they could do whatever they want. The whole world is hefker. Heaven forbid. The world is completely ownerless. You could do whatever you want. There's no one to answer to. There's no responsibility. That's what that idol Idol represented, and that's why they would relieve themselves in front of the idol. Lahavdil, elef alfei avdolis, separating between the profane and the holy. When we talk about the sacrifice that Hashem expects from us, it was totally the opposite idea. The whole concept of sacrifice was to show that I am completely nullifying my own desires in front of God's will. God asked me to bring this sacrifice. I'm showing that I'm doing this completely for God's sake. I am using this opportunity. God gave me a commandment. I'm using the chance to bring God's light into the world and to shine it through this animal, through the, all the different levels of reality, through the domain, through the inanimate, through the tzomeach, through the growing things, and through the chai, through the animal. And I'm doing this just because God said. And this is the same idea as tefillah, as prayer. Because when we approach prayer, we approach our requests to God, we have to realize that what we're doing is not just coming to this infinite vending machine asking for our needs. That's not the understanding. That it has nothing to do with tefillah. That's not what we're doing when we, when we pray. Rather, what we're doing 
is we're showing that we realize that we are not all that there is. We realize we don't have the brains ourselves. You're the one who provides the brains. Hashem, you're the one who gives wisdom. We don't have the ability to provide our family with livelihood without God's help. That's why we ask God for help. We don't have the ability to heal properly. Of course, we go to the best doctors we can, but ultimately, it's God's decision who's going to be well and who's going to be sick. So we show with our prayers that God is everything, that we are completely dependent on Him. And also what we show when we ask God for something, we're showing that God, we want to we want to have all of these things that we're asking for so that we can serve you. We want to dedicate ourselves to your service. We want to nullify our own desire in front of your desire. That's why we start the prayers. The first thing that we do is we say how great God is. We say, God is the kind God. He's the great God. He's awesome. He's mighty. All these different praises about God. Why are we doing this? Why are we starting off saying endless praises about God? And of course, God is infinite. We can never properly praise Him. But what are we doing this for? It's for ourselves. We're showing and we're expressing the fact that all the requests that we're about to make are really because we want to serve you, Hashem. We want to do your will, Hashem. And that's why we're asking for our parnasa, our livelihood. Not so that we can go on luxurious vacations and spend Pesach in the most luxurious hotel in the world. But no, that's not what we're asking for. We're asking so that we could be able to do your will, God, so we can have the peace of mind, so we can learn Torah, so that we can do the commandments properly, we can come close to you, God, when we have the right intentions, not for ourselves, not for our own selfish means, but so that we can be a greater light in the world. We ask God for all the things that we need so that we can shine God's light more. Then Hashem gives us what we need. Then Hashem gives us all of our parnasa, all the livelihood we need. He gives us the wisdom we need. He helps us do tshuva, to return to Him, to do His commandments. He helps us to do all the things that we need. This could also be the understanding of one of the questions that we asked before, which was, when it came to the korbanos, the first time that the Jewish people were bringing these korbanos, it was the first time that they had the ability to eat meat. It was the first time it was permitted for them. So it sounds like, what, are they bringing korbanos sacrifices because they're selfish? No. Once the Jewish people showed that they're willing to do God's will, they're ready to bring God's light into the world, to dedicate every single level of reality to God. Once they've shown that, God gives to them. Once you show that you're interested in doing God's will, and that's why you want the partners. I want this livelihood so that I can spend my time learning, so I can give tzedakah, give charity, I can do kindness for others. That's why God pours out His shefa, His influx upon a person like that. That is the idea behind the korbanos. That's the idea behind our prayer service. It's something that we have an opportunity every single day. And what happens is, the, the more a person realizes that it's not dependent on him, it's not me, it's all about God. So the greater the power of his prayers are. And this is the explanation why, when it comes to prayers, it's so much more powerful. It's such a tremendously powerful prayer when you're inside of a synagogue with a quorum of ten men everyone joining together showing I can't do this on my own some people they daven at home which is also a commendable thing it's a great thing to pray even on one's own however when you daven with a group you're showing I can't per se do this on my own you're lowering your ego you're showing everything is about you God it's not just about me and when a person joins together with another ten people they're all praying together for, for each other they're praying for God to bring down God's light into the world they're praying to be a proper community that will channel God's light into the world so then their prayers are answered much greater this also explains why once there was a permanent temple, a base Hamikdash that King Shlomo, King Solomon made, once we have that, there's no more room for private altars. 
If you have a private altar, you're missing the point. The whole point here is that I am not per se so significant. Of course, I am significant. Every single human being, every single individual is significant. But what's more significant is being part of the whole, being part of the Jewish people as a whole. The Beis Hamikdash was the center, the heart of the Jewish people, sending life, life-giving oxygen, spirituality to the entire world. So if you have an opportunity to bring a korban, a sacrifice, to show that God's light is in the world, to bring down God's light into the world, where are you going to do it? In the center, in that place that shows the greatest amount that one is connecting to all the other Jewish people and trying one's best to show that our purpose here is just to connect to God. Our purpose is to do spiritual things, to do the commandments, to come close to God. I'd like to bless you and me and all of us that we should all be zuch, we should merit to realize what the prayers is really about, we should realize that when we give ourselves over to serving God, to bringing God's light into the world, we're not giving up anything. We're not giving up anything in this world, and certainly not in the next world. If anything, we're building ourselves in this world and for the next world. So may God help us all to be able to realize that and to truly bring His light into the world, to realize what our prayers are about, to try our best to pray in a place, in a base Knesset, a, a synagogue, where it has the most power by joining with others. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos.